There I was on death row, guilty in the first degree. Son of God hanging on a hill, hell was my destiny. The crowd was shouting, crucify, could have come from these lips of mine. Dirty shame was killing me. It would take a miracle to wash me clean. I love this is the part. Here we go. Well, then I read the red letters and the ground began to shake. The prison was I became a free man that day. Felt like lightning hit my veins. My dead heart began to beat. Breath of God filled up my lungs. The Holy Ghost awakened. Yeah, the Holy Ghost awakened me. Then I read the red letters, and the crowd began to shake. The prison walls started falling, and I became a free man that day. For God so loved the whole wide world, sent his only son to die for me. Arms spread wide for the whole wide world, his arms spread wide where mine should be, Jesus changed my destiny thank you God for red letters when the ground began to shake the grace of God started falling and I became a free man that day Prison walls started falling, and I am a free man today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We're glad that you're here today. I want to welcome guests who are here with us. I met some folks uh, this morning, the first time here, several folks, and we're so glad you're here. Welcome. We had our Connection Group open house last Sunday where we especially invited people to our Connection Groups, our small groups that meet after this at 945 and 
that also are meeting right now. And we had uh, 79 guests last Sunday. So that means about one out of every 10 people who were here last week was a guest. You did a great job of inviting people, and we're so grateful that you participated. Let's keep that up. Maybe you were a guest for the first time last week, and you're back today. We're glad you're here, and we hope that this will be home to you. Or maybe you're here for the first time today. Every day is open house for us here at First Baptist, and we're so glad you're here. And if you're here for the first time, we'd like to get to meet you if you're willing to share information with us so we could just thank you for coming. There's a guest registration card in the uh, pew rack in front of you. has a place to indicate if you want our newsletter, share prayer requests, if you have questions or want to talk to someone. Those are options there. You can fill that out and place it in the offering plate at the end of the service. So we're so glad that you're here today. It's a special day. This is part of our season of prayer for world missions between now and the end of December. And so we're grateful to have one of our own missionaries here with us. Jake will be introducing her and telling you about her a little bit later. But we're excited about that and um, uh, looking forward to that. This is Thanksgiving weekend, so let's just bow for a moment as we begin worship and join in prayer in giving thanks to God. Would you join me, please? Oh, Father, we are so blessed. And we come together in the name of your only Son, Jesus Christ, this morning to offer our thanks to you. Thank you, Lord, for the air that we breathe. Thank you for the food that we have eaten this morning, for the clothes we wear, the homes we live in. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom and heritage of our nation. But thank you even more that we are citizens of a kingdom that will never pass away. And we have an inheritance with the saints in heaven that will go on forever. Thank you that every cancer and every pain and every heartache will one day dissolve. And with joy, we will worship you forever and ever. Lord, we want to get a head start on that today because you're worthy. And so today, we lift our hearts and we lift our voices to the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. Oh, God, you are good. You are so good. And we worship you for your goodness now through Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with us together? As a father, I 
known you as a friend and I have lived in the goodness of God we'll sing it here we go and all my life you have been We are so grateful to you, Lord, this morning. I want to sing this song together. Thank you, Lord. I love this song because it's got a little interplay between the men and the women's section. We've been singing this song a long time, but it's still one of our favorites for Thanksgiving. Here we go, sing it. For all that you've done, I will thank you. For all that you're going to do. For all that you promised and all that you are is all that has carried me through. Jesus, I thank you. Come on, guys. And I thank This is just the men. Come on, men. Thank ladies. And I thank Lord. 
everybody. Thank you for loving and setting me free. Thank you for giving your life just for me. How I thank you. Jesus, I thank you. Sing it to him. Gratefully thank you, Lord. Gratefully thank you. Most of all, Lord, we thank you for saving our lives, for saving our souls.
Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for saving me. The rock of salvation. My hope is built on nothing less. Morning by morning, how great is your faithfulness. I called your name, you heard my cry, out of the grave and into life. My heart is yours, my soul is free. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for saving me. You gave your life upon the cross. You suffered once for all. You made a way. Jesus in victory, you rose. You made us all your own. Now we are saved. Come on. You gave your life upon the cross. You suffered once for all, you made a way. Jesus, Jesus, in victory you rose. You made us all your own, now we are saved. Come on, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for saving Thank you. soul is free. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for saving me. Amen. Please be seated.
First Baptist, I want to introduce to you my friend, Melissa Woodson, who is missionary in Paris, uh, working with sub-Saharan uh, African people. And so if you would, would you give her a hearty First Baptist welcome? <clears throat> and so, Melissa, that was just the beginning. If you could, would you just take a moment, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, like I said, my name is Melissa Woodson. <coughs> Sorry. You're good. Anyway. Um, I, um, I am a military brat, so I don't really have a home. Um, so that's made <laughs> this a little bit easier to do. Um, but I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. My parents made me go every time the doors were open. Mm. We lived across the street so my mom could see when the lights came on and would just send us, <laughs> send us across the street. Um, but when I was very young, they had me in a GA's group, which is Girls in Action. I don't know if your all's church has them or not. But um, around Christmas time, we started talking about missionaries around the world. And one week, we were talking about missionaries in Africa. And I went home, and I was about six, and I told my parents I was going to be a missionary in Africa. And they kind of laughed that off because I was six, and six-year-olds don't usually know what they're going to do. Um, and I was not a believer at that point, so I'm not really sure how I thought it was going to work to share the gospel when I didn't understand it myself. But that was the, that was the goal. Minor details, <laughs> Minor right? Minor details at that yeah. point. Um, but once I, um, I understood the truth about my lostness and I received Christ in my heart, the desire just to go overseas and share that, particularly in Africa, grew. Um, my local church, I did a lot of <clears throat> local ministries with my youth group and then states. And then I went to um, Senegal, West Africa when I was in high school. My parents let me go there before I was allowed to drive by myself. They're a little bit messed up. I don't understand that. Going where I could get malaria, but I couldn't go to Food Lion by myself. Um, but after that, I did a couple more short-term trips. In college, I did a degree that is a mix between anthropology and missions. And I went to Cambodia for six months for a semester abroad. And then I graduated college, and three weeks later, I started the journeyman term, which is a two-year term. And I have now been with the IMB for almost 14 years. Wow. So, so you, uh, you started in Niger, but now you're in Paris. Yeah. And that's a, that's a long commute. <laughs> what happened there? Um, so I served in Niger for eight years. Um, I worked with a semi-nomadic people group. Um, and several things happened that made it uh, kind of a need for me to move. The first is I lived on the border with Nigeria, and so Boko Haram, the terrorist group, was moving into um, our neighborhood and was making threats against the white people in our town. And my teammate and I were the only ones, so we kind of knew who they were talking about. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not hard to find us. We stood out quite a bit. We're both blonde hair and blue-eyed people. Um, in Niger, that is, <laughs> they're as dark as I am light. It's, we, we stood out. Um, the second reason um, was the roads out there are very bad and they did a lot of damage to my back. I ended up having back surgery um, when I was 29. It fixed one problem but created more issues. Um, and so it was either move from Niger or move on to narcotics. And so I chose moving from Niger. Um, but the good reason that um, we left is we had a few believers who were going out and they were sharing the gospel and they were discipling new believers. Um, where in five years I led two people to Christ. In a span of six months, they led 26 men and women to Christ and started baptizing them. Um, and so they have the language, they have the culture, they don't stand out when they go around. Um, and so they were, they're doing the work there. And so it was easy, easier to leave, not easy. It was easier to leave knowing that the work was going to continue and they were going to continue um, pushing that on. And then Paris opened up because there are so many people groups that are there, I could use the, the language and the culture I knew in a 
physically easier location. Awesome. So our church partners with you for the work that's going on in Paris. And so one of the things we want to do this morning is we want to hear a little bit more about the work that's going on, what your team is doing. And so uh, let's do some of that. All right. So this is just a little explanation of how we try to picture how our work needs to go. Um, So when we have volunteers come in or we have new personnel come in, the first thing we want to do is get into the communities. So we find out, we go to schools and we go to different places where people work and we just try to get into the community and find the people because that's one of the most difficult things is just to actually find them. Paris is about 14 million people, so it's not easy to find everybody. Um, But then we immediately move to the gospel and we try to look at everybody, no matter where they're from, there's just two different types of people. There are lost people and there are saved people. There's no other type of person. Um, If they're saved and they don't have a church, we help them get into a local, healthy French church or Um, whatever language they may speak, we try to help them find those churches. Um, And if they're lost, we try to look at them as three different ways. So that's the red, yellow, and green. So red light people, they have no interest in the gospel. We just greet them and are kind to them, but we don't spend a lot of time on people who have no interest. Green light people, they're ready. They they receive the Lord, and we move them immediately into discipleship. And then the yellow light people is where we spend a lot of our time as people who are interested but not ready to make that decision. And so we take more time with them going through the gospel in more ways or more in-depth to move that. Um, Then we'll move them into long and short-term discipleship, so getting those immediate things they need to know because our people are still semi-nomadic. They move a lot. Getting them the basics that they need to live um, a life of obedience. Then into long-term discipleship if they're still around um, or on audio forms or however we can do that. And that's more of a discipleship of understanding the Bible and going more in-depth with that. Um, And then trying to move into church, gather those believers and um, create a healthy church. And what Paul talks about with Timothy and with Titus about baptism, the word, the Lord's Supper, caring leaders, all of the things that make for a healthy church. Um, And then working with leaders from there, developing them out of that. Awesome. Awesome. So what does that look like? Um, For me, it's a little bit different. So I'm single. And so most of my work now focuses more on women because when I've tried to share with a lot of the men, it turns into, well, you want to marry me or Mm -hmm. just come back to my apartment. And those are both no's. So (laughs) (laughs) I've been trying to focus a little bit more on women, um, married and single either way. And so um, I have a lot of women kind of from the bottom picture there. They sell different things on the street, juices and beignets and um, foods from their home countries where um, where the, wherever they're from. And so I'll go and I'll chat with them and I'll offer to pray for them and then just continue to go and share the gospel with them as quickly as possible. Um, the other lady here, she's taken, a, it's, it's actually gone a lot deeper and she does my nails. And so um, I go and I see her and she sits and for about an hour to two hours, we're just able to talk and I'm able to share my life and the gospel with her. And it's actually opened up a lot. She invited me when I was getting ready to leave to her home and cooked for me and invited me back into her life as well. And so the Lord is opening up those doors um, for me with the women in this situation. Hmm. The couple on my team um, speak Wolof, which I know most of you have heard that name before. Mm-hmm. Um, Naomi, the, the wife of the couple, she grew up in Senegal, and so she speaks Wolof like a Wolof person, and French and several other languages. Um, and her husband also speaks Wolof, and so they spend a lot of their time at the Eiffel Tower because that's where a lot of the, the men go and they sell the little trinkets um, like Eiffel Tower keychains and whatnot, which we'll come back to the keychain, so keep that in mind. Um, and they just engage the men while they're there, sharing the gospel with them, um, buying keychains from them. Um, but also in the winter, they'll bring coffee and little donuts for them to give them a break when it's so cold. And in the summer when it's been hot, they bring juice. And 
Um, and they just continue to try to engage them as much as they can out on the street and then invite them into their home or go to their homes, which most people have not shown up for either of those invitations, but they're, they're building those relationships. They know who Michael is every time he shows up, and they are just um, in welcoming and inviting to him when he comes there. Mm. Um, some of the other areas we've come across, the other tourist sites um, at the museums and things, they're outside selling all of those trinkets to tourists. In the winter, they're selling hats and gloves. In the summer, um, sometimes they have water or beer or wine or other things that tourists might want at a, at a museum. Um, also, in local markets, they'll show up and sell their jewelry or their wares from their country, and so we're able to engage them there. Um, and also, some of the train stations where there's high immigrant populations, they're selling different foods from their homes, and so we'll go in and, and try to engage them just on the street. Um, and then the... Um, we have two, I have two slightly more structured ministries that I do, and the first one is, um, because I was having such a problem with the men when I would go out and do, <laughs> do work, I was invited with um, a missionary couple from Germany to come and help with their literacy class. Um, I do not teach French grammar. It's a little bit ridiculous. I do not understand it. But I have the very, very beginner students um, that don't have any French um, reading or writing skills at all. And so my students mostly I'm working with how to create the letters and the sounds and make syllables. Um, but I had 11 students at the beginning of this, um, this last school year, eight of which I had no common language with. They didn't speak English, they didn't speak French, which means I had absolutely no way to share the gospel with them, which is heartbreaking. Mm. Um, but through this class and being able to teach them French as they move up in the levels of French, because we have a level all the way to fluency, um, and so they're able to hear the gospel after they move out of my class, after they've improved their French. And so though I'm not able to do it, I'm able to give them the skills to be able to do that. Um, but also about five of my students were from Senegal, and I will be going to Senegal in March and working on the language that they speak. So when I get back, at least those five I'll be able to share the gospel with in their heart language. Um, yeah, I just think that's amazing that you're taking time to teach them a language so that then you can teach them the gospel. That's, that's incredible. I, I love it for the most part. <laughs> there are days I'm like struggling with it, but it's, um, it's coming to fruition in, in, in those things. So I also teach an English class, and um, I have advanced students, so I don't use French um, with them at all. They're very advanced. Um, I have five students, but these are my two students that like to have their picture taken, so they get to be in the presentations. Um, the lady in the bottom corner's name is Sonia. She's a believer from the church where I teach the class. Um, and that was our goal in teaching the English classes, that some of the church members would be part of those classes, that they could help share the gospel with those that were um, in the classes. And so she comes, and she's been able to share the gospel with the other students. The lady in the top corner, her name is Miriam. Um, she is a Muslim from Pakistan. Um, and when she started the classes, she wouldn't say any biblical character or prophet's names without the little phrase that Muslims put behind it um, to give it respect. Um, but little by little, in using Bible stories for the foundation for our class, she's come to the point that she believes that Christ is the Son of God, but she also believes that Muhammad is a good man, so we're trying to <laughs> break her of that one. Um, but right before I left, I was able to go through our yellow light lessons with her, and just an intense, in-depth Bible study with her through the book of John to understand what it means to believe and receive. And her response at the end of that, that she's not ready to make that decision yet, she's still searching. But that is a huge step for someone who wouldn't say the prophet's names to now really searching for who God is. Um, and so it's been exciting to see her growth um, in that. Um, and this is one of our new ministries that we're trying and we're hoping volunteers can help us with. Um, 
is henna, and so what we've done is we get the henna, and the volunteers and myself um, and some of our team will go to the sit at markets with a small pop-up table and offer free henna designs to women, and as they're sitting there, we share stories with them, our testimonies in the gospel, um, if, they will, if they'll hear it. Um, and so that's opened up. Several of the different teams are able to do this, so um, we work with the North Africa team as well as the East Asia team because all of their women love henna. Um, and we just sit there and, and talk with them. And so this is an area that volunteers in particular can really help with because they can learn how to do the henna before they come. Um, but if you're thinking about doing this, you will have to prove to us that you can do henna well before we let you semi-permanently tattoo people in public. So um, it lasts for a couple of weeks sometimes, so you really have to be, know what you're doing. So I have not done this to anybody yet. My art skills are not that good. Um, the couple on my team, their daughter did my hand there for me. Um, so we're trying to get her to come and work with us with volunteers. But it's, um, it's a new area that we're opening up that I think could have great impact on, on meeting and, having, and creating contacts with the women there. Yeah, and so and this is something we do at the Jesus Tent. So this is something you can learn how to do here in Manchester and then take with you to Paris and reach the nations yeah. with. So um, here's my big question, Melissa. Why is it that Africans are, are moving to, to Europe? I mean, that just seems like a long way to go to find work. Or Why is that happening? How is that working? Um, it is a long way to find work, and um, that's mostly what they're doing. They're economic migrants. The majority of them are not refugees. There are a few that have refugee status issues, but most of them are from um, weak economies, um, economies that have been taken over by other governments and are being sending their, their goods to other countries but not being able to support themselves or their families. And so they work their way up to Europe and to the States and to other developed nations so that they can provide for their families. So those men and women that we meet, they're sending the majority of what they're earning back so that their kids can go to school, so that their family can eat, so that their family can provide for more of their family. Um, and so they're, they're coming there for that purpose. Um, but one of the things that's worked out very well for us in a very strategic way is some of these countries, it can take 30 or more hours to get to some of these villages because the roads are bad, because the weather, different things like that. Well, we know that people from those villages live in Paris, and if I can find them, it would take me two hours to get to them. And so we can share the gospel with someone in Paris, and they can bring it back to their own people in places that other missionaries cannot get to or other churches cannot get to. Um, and so we're very strategic in that um, but this is the kind of picture. So my team is responsible for anyone in Paris coming from any of those countries. And that includes, um, so people group numbers, that's 2,668 people groups that we're responsible for that live in Paris. 1,703 of them are unreached, which means they have a less than 2% evangelical population in them. And then there are 534, which is the most heartbreaking, that are unreached and engaged, which means they have absolutely no access to the gospel. And so even if they have a close neighbor, most of them are also unreached, and so this is just a huge problem of them not having access to the gospel at all. And so we're able to reach them in, place, in a place that's physically easier to get to them than a lot of their countries are. You know, one of the things I love about your strategy is that you are working also with local churches so that even when the missionaries move on, the local church is still there uh, doing ministry. So could you tell us more about that? Yeah. So we've decided that each of our units on our team, um, I'm a unit, the couple's a unit, so any of the, the groups, we are going to be um, members of a local church. So we're active participants in the church, um, whatever that means. 
So with my church, um, it's a fairly new church plant. When we started two years ago, there were about 15 of us. Now we're running about 60. Um, we meet in a movie theater, so it's insanely comfortable church, most comfortable church I've ever been in. Um, but its goal is to reach its community. And so um, I participate on Sunday mornings. I go to the Bible studies during the week. And I also invite the believers from the church to come along with us in our ministry um, so that they can learn how to go out. Because it's one of the things we hear from the French is they want to share, but they don't know how. And so we're inviting them along so that they can see what we're doing. We can partner with them in that. And then they can go out and those that they have contact with regularly, whether it's at their bakery, when they're getting their hair done, or at work, those people that they regularly see, they can start to engage them with the gospel. Um, we also do little things. The bottom corner is we had um, a party for the, uh, the World Cup last year when France won. Um, that was a little bit crazy. You think football here is crazy? You should see it when the French win the World Cup. The entire bus system got shut down because they couldn't get through the streets. Um, it, was, it was crazy. But um, the Lays, the couple on my team, they're also a part of a church. Um, they've been a part of it for a little bit longer because it's a little bit older church. It's about five years old. And so um, Michael is working on discipling some of the young men. Naomi is working on discipling some of the young women, particularly those that are married couples. Um, and they also have a small group that meets at their house from the church every week that they, um, they don't lead, but they help one of the younger b believers lead it and, and help him to grow in his faith through that. Um, the other church that I am not as much of a part of is the church that allows me to teach English classes there. And so um, it's further away, and so I just can't go regularly, but we go and we invite them to be a part of our ministry. We help them with whatever their needs are to reach their community. Um, and so it's one of our goals with volunteer teams as well is to try to get them partnered with a specific church so that if I have to leave or someone else has to leave, that the volunteers can still go and partner with that church and share the gospel because um, we don't know when we'll have to leave. Um, within a week, we lost two units to our team for different purposes, and so there's no promise that any of us will be back, but volunteers can always continue to go back and partner with those churches. Awesome. So, Melissa, let me ask you this. How, how can we pray? How can we pray for what you're doing there? Um, well, our team came up with several prayer requests. The first one is just boldness to share the truth. Um, the lostness there is overwhelming. Um, France and most of Europe is, has less than 2% evangelical population. So people who think that it's an evangelized nation that say it's not. Um, and so just you get overwhelmed by the lostness. You don't even know where to start sometimes. So just boldness to continue to share the truth. Um, discernment as we try to figure out what communities to go into and to um, help us find those people that would um, kind of open the doors into different communities. Um, as we work with the local French churches, that we would be able just to cast the vision for them as well to go out and share um, with their neighbors um, and those that are around them. And then just the entire lost of the world live in, live in Paris. Any nation you can think of, their people live in Paris somewhere. And so just that the world can be reached through the work that we and the other teams are doing in Paris. Amazing, so we don't just wanna pray though, how can we give? How can we be a part of what you're doing through giving? Well, the first is the cooperative program in Lighty Moon, so thank you first for giving to those things. That allows mm -hmm. us to go and do this. Um, in France, because of their government setup, it's illegal for me to work there, so I can't find another job and do the ministry. And so by the cooperative program giving in Lighty Moon, I'm able to not worry about those financial things, just be able to go and share. And it's covered everything from our Bibles and our tracks to our Metro passes to my back surgery so that I could continue on. Mm. Um, it, cover, it helps cover school for the 
the missionary kids so that their parents can go out. It covers so much more than you even realize. New, when I was in Niger, new tires for our trucks so, so we could get out, um, audio versions of the Bible for those that didn't read. It covers everything that we do through Lighting in the Proper Program. The new one I found out about as Christmas is coming up is smile.amazon.com. If you go there, it's the same Amazon, but you can choose a charity, and so a, a percentage of your purchase goes to the charity of your choice. Um, I think at this point I've given like $3 over, the, over quite a bit of time. Um, but the last time I checked, over $86,000 had been given to the IMB through Amazon, and that's several units' salary for the year. So that covers everything that we need for, for a year um, in that amount. So as Christmas is coming up and you shop on Amazon, <laughs> you there can you support the IMB at the same time. One last thing is we want to know what we can do. I mean, we're partnering with you. How can we be involved? What can we do as a church? There's lots of opportunities. So you can come and see me, um, and I can talk to you about opportunities we have. Um, we have lots of openings on our team um, for both short-term and long-term. Um, if you're interested just in looking at what the IMB has, you can go to imb.org and click on their button Go, and it will give opportunities um, for lots of different things. You can look for a competency you have in psychology or husbandry of some type, and there are jobs out there for volunteers and long-term to help with those things. Um, also, if you're looking for something local, there's the North American Mission Board website, which is nam.net. You can also click go, and it will show you opportunities in the states. Um, and then I know that your church has a lot going on, so talking to Jake or some of those that have been on the team and seeing what opportunities are in your community or and you can go do that. That's awesome. Hey, can we give Melissa a round of applause? <laughs> so, Melissa is going to be at the Welcome Center after the service, and she has keychains. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I can. Okay. So the keychains that I talked about earlier. So um, our team came together, and we bought 1,000 keychains, and we picked out 10 of our contacts that we have nine of who are not believers and one who is, and we wrote little bios on each of them and put them on business cards and attached them to the keychain. So the keychains are free if you will promise to pray for those individuals. So the goal is when I go back um, next September that there will be 100 people praying behind each of these individuals for their salvation. So I think I brought 300 keychains with, and I can send more if I need to, um, but if you come to the table, there's men and women out there, and I can help you pick one of the person, give you their name, and give you a little bit more information on, on most of them. Awesome. So let's make it a goal to take all 300, and then Melissa has to send more. I want to let you know Melissa will be at our Thanksgiving dinner tonight. So if you have more questions for her there, if you don't see her at the Welcome Center, uh, you can see her at the dinner tonight, and she would love to talk more about what God is doing in Paris. So thank you, Melissa. <clears throat> So as we, um, as we close, if you look into your worship guide, uh, you see five observations of the Great Commission that we will not get to today. But every blank has two words you write in there. It's all things. When you read the Great Commission, when you see what Jesus says, over and over and over, he says, I'm Lord over all. All authority, all nations, teach them everything I've commanded. I'm with you always. Church, sometimes when we think about the Great Commission, we think, I've got so much going on, I can't add another thing to my plate. Now, I look at my, th my, my daily schedule, I, I wake up, I'm taking care of kiddos, right? I'm feeding babies and making lunches. 
I'm trying to get to a gym to, to be physically fit. I, I work. I have basketball practice for my son. I want to be like a really good husband and hang out with my wife. I don't have any more time for anything else. And I think many of us feel that way. Can I tell you something? The Great Commission is not something you add on to your life. When you're a Christ follower, it is your life. So I was going to bring a low-tech visual aid. Those are popular around here. And I was going to pull all those things out of my bag and show them how I can't add any more. But here's the thing. When you realize that your life is the Great Commission, then the Great Commission becomes the bag. And you just start putting those things into the bag and you realize that I have gospel intentionality when I do those things. I'm a parent, but I'm a Great Commission parent. I'm raising disciples in my home. Right? I, I work out, but I'm... I'm a Great Commission workouter, exerciser, right? I'm at the gym trying to get to know people. I coach basketball, but I'm a Great Commission coach. I'm building relationships with those kids who are on my team. What has God called you to do? Have you been looking at the Great Commission as something you add on? Or have you realized it's who you are? You're a disciple maker. And you make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Philippians 2, we see that Jesus left the splendor of heaven. He came to earth to become a servant. He humbled himself to a cross to die in our place. That's what it's going to take for us to fulfill the Great Commission. Be Jesus to all the places he has called us. And there may even be times where we take weeks at a time and go see Melissa and other mission partners and just, you know, focus in just that one place. But for the rest of the time that we're here, we've got a job to do. Jesus gave us one job. And at the end of our lives, he's going to say, how'd you do with that one job? We have to give an account. Would you pray with me? Father, I just ask this morning, as we've heard how Melissa is making disciples in Paris, God, that we take an inventory right now of our lives and how we are making disciples here in Manchester and to the ends of the earth. Father, if there's someone here tonight who does not know you, or this morning who does not know you, Father, I pray that they would realize that you have everything their heart desires. If they would just trade the small things for everything, they would find what their heart soul is searching for, but for the rest of us in this room right now, help us to see ourselves primarily as worshipers of Jesus and disciple makers, called to go here in Manchester and to the ends of the earth. We ask this all in Jesus' name, amen. This morning we invite you to respond to what you have heard, so the response is this, if you don't know him, would you come this morning, talk to a pastor, and start a relationship with Jesus? For others of you who do know him, number one, maybe God's calling you to join Melissa's team. Maybe God's calling you to be a missionary. Would you respond to that? Don't run from it. Would you surrender to that call? Maybe even talk to Melissa today and get some information how you can do that. But for most of us, would you see yourselves as a disciple maker called to Manchester, Tennessee and beyond? to take all the things that God has called you to and to use it to make disciples. Would you stand with me and respond to the call of God in your life?
come just as you are. Hear the Spirit call. Come just as you are. Come and see. Come receive. Come and live forever. Come just as you are. Hear the Spirit call. Come just as you are. Come receive Christ the King. Come and live forever more. Life everlasting and strength for today. Taste the living water and never thirst. Again, come just as you are. Hear the Spirit call. Come just as you are. Come receive. I'll receive. Come and live forevermore. And would you be seated now as we continue to worship God through giving our tithes and offerings? Would you pray with me? Most kind and gracious God, we're thankful for this day, Lord. We're thankful for this chance to come and worship you. We're freedom, Lord. Not all places have that, Lord. We heard that today, Lord. Lord, we're thankful for Melissa, that she goes and teaches the world about you, Lord. Lord, please teach us to be Christians, but not just Christians, but Great Commission Christians, Lord. Lord, we, we pray that you'll bless these offerings that we're about to gather, Lord, that that they'll use you, that we will, we will use them to your service, Lord. All these things we ask in your name. Amen.
and clothed me with his light and rode his love righteousness with power upon my heart my heart is filled with thankfulness to him who walks beside who floods my weaknesses with strength and causes fears to fly whose every promise is enough for every step i take sustaining me with arms of love and crowning me with grace my heart is filled with thankfulness to him who reigns above Whose wisdom is my perfect peace, whose every thought is love. For every day I have on earth is given by the King. So I will give my life, my all to love and follow him to love and follow him Amen. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you, uh, Jake and Melissa. What an honor to have you with us. Thank you for being here. As she shared, she'll be across from the Welcome Center right after this service. Also at our Thanksgiving dinner, Melissa and two other missionaries who are new members of our church will be there. We'll introduce them. Our, our prayer is that God will call out from our church teenagers, college students, young adults, retired adults to go either short-term or as a career as missionaries. So we want to have these folks here Hope you'll come tonight. You can talk to them in a casual setting, ask questions about what it means to be a missionary, how to prepare, what, how, what you do. We pray that, that God will stir in your heart uh, that call. So if you're new to our church, we want to invite you to our Thanksgiving dinner. It's at 5 o'clock this afternoon. It's in the gym. Uh, you would want to park uh, across Summer Street and enter those, uh, one of those two Summer Street entrances to come. We ask you to bring a couple of dishes of food, a side or dessert, uh, and um, we, church furnishes turkey dressing and all the trimmings and drinks and, and rolls. So it's a great time of fellowship. want to encourage you uh, to come, uh, get to know folks, and to meet our missionaries tonight. And uh, then I want to share with you an appeal for some coaches for Upward. We have... Uh, 
far more kids in Upward than we had last year, about a 25% increase. And we praise God uh, for this growth uh, in Upward. Over 120-something basketball players, 22 cheerleaders. Need some more coaches. Shonda tells me that we need about four more coaches that you'd give up one hour a week uh, on a weeknight for a practice and one hour on Saturday morning for eight Saturdays in January and February that you would uh, pour into the lives of these kids. So if you know something about basketball, or if you only know something about Jesus, so we can put two people together. We need somebody who knows Jesus. We can get an assistant coach who knows basketball, or if you know basketball, well, we need two people uh, to help. And that's, uh, we need those. Uh, so would you see Shonda Hensick if you would do that? Today is the deadline to turn in Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes. If you don't have them this morning, you can bring them tonight to the Thanksgiving dinner. And I just picked up one of these, and I want to pray over this for our closing prayer. And I pray for this box. This box is for a 10 to 14-year-old girl. I wonder what girl around the world is going to open this box. And we want to pray for this box and the hundreds of others like it that you have packed. They'll be used of God to bless children at Christmas and to share with them the love of Jesus. Thank you for being here today. Uh, Jacob, be at the Welcome Center to greet you if you're a guest. We're glad you're here. Let's pray. This will be our closing prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for what we've heard and have been a part of today. Now, Lord, we come to dedicate these Operation Christmas Child shoebox gifts to your kingdom and your glory. And we pray over them. I thank you for the hands that put things into this box and others like it. And I pray for the little hands that will open this box. And I pray that they will see this as a love gift. I pray they'll read in their own language the uh, booklet that will be put into this box that shares the story of Jesus, I pray that these children will come to know the greatest gift of all, the gift of your Son, Jesus, in whom they can have eternal life, joy, peace, and the forgiveness of sins. We dedicate these boxes as a small part of your kingdom purposes. Go with them around the world to accomplish your will. Bless us, your people, as we go to connection groups. We pray your blessing upon our church family. In the name of Jesus, amen.